Pastor Xavier Reese, reminding us that our offerings are much more than a monetary sacrifice. Listen, simple principle again, ready? God does not need people to provide and supply his church. He owns a cattle on every hill. Then why do we keep presenting God as some beggar, somebody who's broke? God help us. God's gonna take care of it. God always has. The day that God starts depending on us, He is in real trouble. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. We've got state tax, federal tax, gas tax, sales tax. For some, the unfortunate reality is that most of the paycheck is already spent even before payday, let alone giving anything to the church. Well, that's one perspective. But today, Pastor Xavier helps us see the simple truths of the spiritual side of giving, shedding a new light on the believer's responsibility toward our tithes and offerings. Let's listen. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, we're going to look at verses 1 through 7, and the message is entitled, Giving is God's Work. Paul now is dealing with the offering for the poor saints at Jerusalem, and he will deal with very specific details on giving, as much such as the method, the manner, and the motives through these two chapters. Uh, Paul's concern and involved for the poor saints was part of his life. It was kind of like a, 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 a demonstrated evidence of, of the oneness in Christ, Jew and Gentile, uh, because of the animosity between them. The Jews believed that the Gentiles were created by God to kindle the fires of hell. And now they're Jew and Gentile, one in Christ Jesus. Paul now, in his third missionary journey, was taking a collection for these poor saints of Jerusalem. And as he's writing to the Corinthians, he's dealing with this matter. In fact, in a few months after He's written this letter to the Corinthians. He would be writing to the Romans, telling them how the Gentiles felt about the offering and how they had been partakers of the spiritual benefits of the Jew, so they felt the responsibility to impart some of their material things in them in Romans 15, 25 through 27. So again, not only in the first letter, not only here in the second letter, but also as he writes to the Romans, he mentions that collection for the poor. In Romans 15, 31, Paul will ask for prayer that the gift might be received by the Jewish Christians because of that animosity. And so let's look at the giving of the Macedonians, which is characterized by three things here in verse 1 down to 7. First, the giving was prompted by God. Take note in verse 1. The Apostle Paul pointed out the example of the Macedonians to the Corinthians. Listen to his words. Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. This grace of God was said to be sufficient for the churches of Macedonia. It's in the plural. Thessalonica, Berea, Philippi. That whole region. He says that in great, a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. Paul described them as having suffered tremendously. Paul was referring to the suffering also, effect of the region of being ravaged by civil war between Caesar and Pompey, between Brutus and Cassius and the Triumvirs, and finally between Augustus and Antonius. So this whole region of Greece there, Europe, 
was ravaged through civil war and they consequently had paid the price for it. Notice Paul, despite their horrible condition, indicated their incredible joy. Why? They had come to Christ. Joy is a manifestation of the fruit of the Spirit, agape love, in Galatians 5.22. Then notice Paul described them as being in deep poverty, yet abounding in the riches of their liberality. Another paradox. The Thessalonians were dirt poor. Now, the Thessalonians, in spite of their deep poverty, demonstrated, notice, incredible generosity in their giving for the poor saints at Jerusalem. The paradox, again, of the Thessalonians was that in spite of their being very, very poor, they gave eagerly and wholeheartedly. They did not use their poor condition as an excuse for not giving to the poor saints at Jerusalem. If anything, they could identify. God provides it if he's in the work. Secondly, the giving was performed by man. Three through five. Look at three. The apostle Paul pointed out the selfless matter of the Macedonians gave. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing. Paul gave testimony that they gave according to their ability. Basic. They had less than they needed. They gave more than they should have or could have. Notice Paul gave testimony they gave of their free will, indicating Paul did not ask. They were led by God, but not compelled against their will. They were prompted by God, but not forced to surrender their will. Totally free. No compulsion. The apostle Paul pointed out that the mindset of the Macedonians in their giving was one of servants, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. Paul gave testimony to their loving hearts, pressing them to accept their gift. Paul didn't ask for anything. Paul hadn't said nothing. They're the ones that initiated. Wow. Their deep concern was that Paul and his friends accepted the expression of their love gift for the poor. Notice Paul gave testimony about the same intense passion to indicate their act of giving men they were being one with the Jew, revealing their privilege. They could have said, well, the Jews, that's what they get. They've always... No, no, no. It's their privilege. You mean we, we can be one with them? We can help them out? You're familiar with the word koinonia. We've seen it before. This is the word koinonia. A joint partnership, common, a shared oneness. Paul gave testimony, notice, about their servant heart. Seeing this act of giving as an opportunity to help the poor brethren. To be of service to the Jewish Christian impoverished at Jerusalem. Then notice in verse 5, the apostle Paul pointed out the mature giving of the Thessalonians as sobering. And not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. Paul declared they gave themselves first to the Lord. So the giving was a worshipful act to God. This is the only thing God honors. They're so devoted, so worshiping God, that God's the one that prompted them. There's the priority. 
Their hearts and lives were completely surrendered to God. Their lives were a constant dying to self after the example of their Lord. They had caught the message of the gospel. They had internalized that. Then notice that Paul declared, after this they gave themselves to Paul and the others by the will of God. The giving of themselves to Paul for the collection was that there they were prompted by God in their devotion and worship of God. Then the giving ourselves to others is effective because it's directed by God. A joint venture in the work of God is only accepted by God if it comes forth from one's personal relationship with God and not a mere work. Paul did not pressure them, beg them, didn't even initiate. In the relationship to God, God's the one who directed them. God is directing their participation in his work of love right here. R.G. Latouro told Forbes magazine, quote, I like to do two things. One is to design machines, turn them on, and see them work. The other is to turn on the power of the gospel and see it work in people's lives. The commentator says he did pretty well in the first department. At his death, he held over 200 patents. One of his monster earth-moving machines, weighing 200,000 pounds, could cut 35 feet uh, swaths through the jungle, knocking down trees five feet in diameter and chewing them up. He did well in the second department, too. Besides giving up to 90% of his income to Christian work, he would fly everywhere to speak for Jesus Christ. He is the only man to have been president of both the Christian Business Committee International and the Gideons International. And I've given you many examples. You know, J.C. Penney's was another incredible Christian who set up housing and different things for retired pastors that had nothing and missionaries and all that. And there's, there's many that we've gone and seen through the years. Incredible men that got his use. A man views giving differently than God, as I've told you. God is not interested in how little we have. He's interested in our giving according to what we have. In fact, Paul tells us exactly in verse 12 of this chapter to 14. He says, For if there is first a willing mind, it is accepted according to what one has and not according to what he does not have. For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but by an equality. In other words, regardless of how little, how much, each as God leads them, gives in proportion whatever God tells them. So that everybody's a participant in the family of God and no one is burdened over it. No one is the only one doing it. That's what he's talking about. Sadly, that's not the case. It works so often. But nevertheless, that's the principle of Scripture and that's the heart of God and the heart of Paul. Man always looks to the amount of the giving, but God looks at the attitude of my heart when I give. If it is grudgingly, or hilariously. And he also will deal with that in chapter 9, verse 7. He says, So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. It means hilariously. Hilariously. Now, again, when we first started, we were all young. We, 
we didn't have much, none of us. And yet God gave us this building with 300 people. And through the years, he's taken care of us. We all know on anything. The time the gym was built, it was debt free. And we had more money in the bank than we had when we started. No cookie sales, no car washes, no pledges, no pressure, no sad stories. My boasting, you better believe it, I'm boasting in God. No one has ever been pressured in this ministry, ladies and gentlemen. No one. Man must be very clear about what the scriptures teach about financial giving. It is simply this. Let no one pressure you to give. Make you feel guilty if you don't give or try to manipulate you. But only God. Let him be the one to direct your heart so that he might fully bless you in the right manner. Between you and God. No one else. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 says, But this I say, He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Ooh, the pastors love this scripture. You give one, God will give you ten. Amen. See faith, see faith. You know, you plant the seed, and I take it, and run. I mean, I'm sorry, then it go, you know. <laughs> Hucksters. Hucksters. Turn on the Christian radio or TV. Beggars, they embarrass me. They're slamming my father's name. My God's not broke. He doesn't need me. He doesn't need you. The giving was performed by man because it was prompted by God. Look at 6 and 7. The giving was practical for spiritual service. In verse 6, the apostle Paul told the Corinthians, Titus would go to Corinth for the collection. So we urge Titus that as he had begun, so he would also complete this grace in you as well. There it is again, this grace that's working in them. Paul and the others urged Titus to be the instrument to collect the gift. Paul had already told the Corinthians again in chapter 16 of 1 Corinthians, verse 1 and 2, about preparing it the first day of the week when they gathered together. And then um, Paul would send other people to accompany him also to collect the gift and to transport it in 1 Corinthians 16, 3-4 because, again, he wanted to be innocent. I never touch money here. I don't look at your tithing. I don't touch money here. Other men do that. There's accountability. We take care of all that. You never want to be accused of that. Paul declared that Titus had begun the collection and that he might complete it in the future visit to Corinth. Without doubt, he already began the collection. Paul has talked about the Galatians giving some, the other churches of Macedonia. Maybe in the first um, visit, he also took some, and now he's going back uh, to deliver the second letter, and then he would complete it. Notice Paul described that the gift to the Corinthians, uh, to the poor saints, should be from and through the same grace as the gift of the Thessalonians, indicated by the phrase, this grace in you as well. The implication was that the grace of God being sufficient for the Thessalonians was also sufficient for the Corinthians. It's the same God, the same grace. He works through his people. The implication was that the appreciation of God's grace imparted to them was also effectively at work in them. 
I believe that God can provide for every church from the people that he brings to cover everything God wants to do if the leaders are good stewards of it. But it's up to God. We pray and we wait. And if he opens the door and does it, he does it. But we owe no one anything. We pressure no one. We just want to do what God has called us to do. And if we do it according to his direction, he will provide everything for us. Simple. We live within our means. They had expressed their repentance towards Paul, their hearts right now. They were not willing to follow through before, but now they're going to follow through with their original intent. Now look at 7. The Apostle Paul told the Corinthians their giving should be in proportion and reflection of God's spiritual blessing on them. Interesting parallel he makes here. But as you abound in everything, in faith and speech and knowledge and in all diligence and in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also. So Paul reminded the Corinthians of the abundance of God's grace in their spiritual lives, in faith, in Christ, to be saved and to continue the relationship, in speech, utterance, prophecy perhaps, the way they minister the gospel, maybe even tongues, we don't know, in knowledge, divine revelation, understanding, the big contrast in the first letter, they were leaning to human knowledge and wisdom instead of God's. But God had blessed them. And diligence, earnestness to deal with their present situation and correct it now. God had blessed them in all this stuff. So Paul exhorted them that they should abound in the measure of their giving as they had been blessed spiritually by God's grace. As God had graciously imparted to the Corinthians abundantly and freely in spiritual matters, so they were to graciously, abundantly, and freely impart to the poor saints. The Corinthians were wealthy. In comparison to the, to the Thessalonians, they were Beverly Hills. The word but marks a sharp contrast between the two. They needed to be ready for the sure coming of Titus to fulfill the commitment of the previous year. And you'll tell them that in the next chapter in verse 2 again. Notice as the various gifts imparted to the Corinthians were spiritual, so they should see their gift to the poor saints as spiritual. If you don't see your giving spiritual, then you're carnal. It is as spiritual as your salvation and all the things that God does in you and through you by the grace of God, the Word of God, and the Spirit of God. The Corinthians had been bestowed with riches both in the spiritual and financial realm, the material. The Corinthians had not recognized or invested their spiritual wealth correctly because they were carnal. The Corinthians now, having received the correction of Paul, would be able to assess their wealth and distribute the true riches by his grace and be as gracious to them as God had been gracious to them. It's all a matter of aligning ourselves with God and, and what he's done to our lives and in our lives and for us and seeing how far he's brought us and, and seeing how much of a better steward I have been in my life the last 39 years than I could have ever been not being a Christian. Simple. I've told you right away, the minute you're born again, 
you are 20 to 40% ahead financially. That weekend when I got saved, I was not partying. I didn't go buy a case of beer on Friday night, another case on Saturday. I didn't buy two packs of Winston. I didn't smash my car. I didn't get in a fight and have my new clothes torn or blood on them. I was 30 to 40% ahead the first weekend. And now I'm here pinching a penny so hard that Lincoln's eyeballs are popping out. <laughs> Amazing to me. The average American misplaces more money each year than per member contribution to the majority of U.S. church denominations, says President Arthur K. Arthur R. McKay and McCormick of McCormick Theological Seminary. Cost loss averages $75 per person annually, according to McKay, or more than uh, the per number giving of 15 to 23 largest communions. Now, this is way back. This is back in the 60s again. And the reason I gave you these statistics way back in the 60s through the sermon is to show you that if it was that little then, it's much more now because of the greed and the difficulty that goes on as time goes forward, especially in our nation the way we are. But does that put a cramp on God's church? No way. God's going to take care of it. God always has. But the day that God starts depending on us, he is in real trouble. He noted that the average church is supported by 30% back then. I never look at the tithing, but I would venture to say that the average church is supported by 10 to 15% of the congregation today. And yet God is sufficient to take care of it. Listen, simple principle again. Ready? God does not need people to provide and supply his church. He owns a cattle on every hill. Then why do we keep presenting God as some beggar? Somebody who's broke. God help us. We consider the collection of God a privilege, and we don't ever want to abuse it. And so we receive it once a week, as the scriptures tell us in 1 Corinthians 16.2. We do not believe the Bible teaches selective spirituality. We are to be obedient and mature in every area of life. The boasting of my spiritual growth in Christ to the exclusion of my tangible gift is hypocrisy and deception. My giving is as much spiritual as everything else that God is doing in my life. Romans 15, 27, Paul said, For it pleased those from Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor among the saints who are in Jerusalem. It pleased them indeed, and they are their debtors. For if the Gentiles have been partakers of their spiritual things, their duty is also to minister to them in material things. 2 Corinthians 9, 8 says, And God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. Wow. The giving was practical for spiritual service. Amazing. The Macedonians' giving was characterized by these three things that are still important principles for our own life to understand. The giving was prompted by God, never by man, not in the Bible. And maybe today in other churches, but not in the Bible. The giving was performed by man, and the giving was practical for spiritual service. God's the same today as he was every day in the past. And so may God give us wisdom as we continue to seek him 
and we just grow, do the work of ministry. And he says, if you do that, I'll take care of the rest. I like those arrangements. Pastor Xavier Reese, drawing three simple truths from 2 Corinthians chapter 8 regarding giving. And you can request a copy of today's encouraging study called Giving is God's Work. As always, it's available on CD for just $4 upon request. And this will also include everything Pastor Xavier shared with us the last time we were together as well. The title to ask for once again is Giving is God's Work. Or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please don't forget to include the call letters of this station when you contact us. Be sure and join us next time as Pastor Xavier Reese brings us more important simple truths on giving and receiving from the book of 2 Corinthians. Hope you'll pay us a visit then. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com